Welcome to the Being Human is Good for Business podcast. In each episode, the leadership development experts at Trilogy Effect explore how the process of self-discovery unleashes potential in us all. Now, here's your host, Sherilyn Starkey. Hello, I'm your host, Sherilyn Starkey. Welcome to the Being Human is Good for Business podcast. And today I am joined by Heather Morass, the managing partner of Trilogy Effect, the leadership development experts. Good morning, Heather. Good morning. And today is a really exciting day. We're welcoming our first ever guest to the show, Brett Furio, who is the CEO of Canada, a leading pet food company. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thank you. Happy to be here. So we've invited Brett today to talk about the role that leadership development training played in his former job when he was CEO of Zarbi's Naturals. So this is a company that he grew from being a small company of less than 10 people to a broad team of more than 70. And ultimately, Zarbi's was acquired by one of the world's largest corporations. Right, Brett? That's correct. Uh, J&J or Johnson & Johnson uh, acquired us in uh, late 2018. Okay. So, well, with no further ado, let's get into the, uh, the crux of the interview. Brett, can you tell me about your first introduction to leadership coaching? Yeah, well, I'll date myself, but it probably goes back to 2004, 2000, yeah, about 2004. Uh, I was at Gillette, and I was, uh, at the time, uh, vice president of sales. And uh, I was having a pretty good career run at the time. I was feeling pretty good about my, uh, my mojo and feeling pretty confident. And um, I, at the time, was... Gillette being a very uh, sales-based company, uh, you got titles as you grew your business. So <clears throat> the Oral-B business, Oral-B Braun, which was, I was part of that division, um, we had just hit a big milestone of over a billion dollars in sales. And as a result, uh, most of us uh, vice presidents would become, or directors would become vice presidents. That was going to be a big, you've arrived type okay. moment. Very exciting because, as you can imagine, at a company like Gillette, when you hit VP, there's more cash and prizes and all the other good things that come with that. And right before that moment, I was brought into an office and told that um, actually I was uh, being moved laterally to be a director of marketing uh, for the Braun business and specifically responsible for the Tassimo business, which was a partnership with Kraft. Um, I didn't take that very well. Uh, <laughs> I was devastated, to be perfectly honest with you. I think um, in hindsight, there were a lot of tears. Oh, uh, no. I felt like I failed um, and didn't see it for what it was, which actually was a great gift uh, to be developed cross-functionally and to go learn the marketing function. Um, but at the time, I was devastated, and I was very fortunate. Uh, one of the heads, uh, the head of uh, Oral-B, uh, the global business unit, Bruce Cleverly, took some pity on me and um, said, you are good, but you're not all that. And we're going to get you a coach, which at the time was Generative Leadership Group, uh, which Heather was part of then and Joyce Dowdle. And uh, that was my first introduction to the Enneagram. I did a 360. I took a bunch of tests. And I think if I had to describe that entire process uh, the word that would come would be humbling, extremely, oh. extremely humbling from how I thought I was projecting myself and how I saw myself and actually how I was perceived. Mm. So that was my first introduction. So it was like a, uh, it was like a 
cold ton of water being dropped on me all at once from multiple levels, both from a professional and from, I think, a personal level. Oh my. Um, and as a three, type three, I'm all about achievement. So everything was working against me at the moment. <laughs> and I think, you know, what I remember clearly, um, I remember I took, I actually went home after getting that news in the middle of the day. And I talked to my wife and she said, well, you can do one of two things. You can accept and embrace the feedback or you could say everyone else is wrong and you can quit and go do something else. Right. That was the uh, crossroads that I faced. Okay. Yeah. So that was your aha moment then. It was, it was an aha moment. That was uh, probably the most significant moment in my career. Really? That powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when you started working with a coach then. Yeah. That's when I started working and started learning about, you know, what type I was. And it was part of also this, like I mentioned, a 360 degree assessment, which went to uh, my peers. It went to people that worked for me. It went to people that I worked for. It was very broad. Uh, I want to say over 22 people filled okay. out this long, long, long survey. Um, and as I mentioned, it, getting the results back was really humbling. I mean, certainly there were some nice nuggets in there of nice words and compliments. But as a three, you really kind of focus on the not so nice stuff. Oh, yes. A quite healthy dose of that in terms of micromanager, doesn't listen well, not very patient, um, only cares about results, doesn't care about people. And I mean, there's just a whole host of um, really good data in there. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, like I think my wife said it well, and I think at the time Joyce said it well. It's like, look, this is a gift. The fact that all these people took their time to really give you really good feedback, even though it really doesn't feel great. It's all with the intention of if you could address this stuff, what, you know, how could you reach your full potential? And, um, and at the time I knew I trusted Bruce who had kind of gifted me this work. Um, I trusted my boss, which was Fred Howard and uh, actually moving me to marketing, which at the time, um, even though I wasn't getting the promotion I thought I so well deserved was a blessing because I learned the marketing discipline yeah. very well in a much more intimate way. Gave me a chance to work on a very, very different type of project. So in hindsight, it's really easy to say like, that was the best thing that ever happened. In the moment, I was felt like I was stumbling in the dark and I was a little bit unsure, is this really what I should be doing? And it was very, very, very uncomfortable. And I think that's what you kind of learn is that, you know, growth comes from when you're being uncomfortable. And I think um, being able to get my head around that um, in that moment to really kind of just soak it in, embrace it, take the feedback, listen, um, and really process. I think that was, that was a good year of work. Um, and again, not that I'm, I've arrived. I absolutely haven't, but that was certainly the beginning of my training camp. Okay. <laughs> Heather, would you say that's uh, kind of a, a, a typical situation for people that are uh, new to this kind of leadership development work? It is one Typically, like there's a lot of different ways people come into development, but I think what Brett describes is a very typical tipping point that most people reach in their career, which, you know, we kind of call it, and it usually hits, I don't know how old you were at the time, Brett, and you don't have to say, but it usually hits sometime around 35 to 40. Yeah, that, that's right. right <laughs> yes. And I know that's when it hit me too. Yeah. And you come up against everything I was doing that got me to here is no longer what I need to focus on to get me to where I actually think I'm going. And it's interesting the way your wife 
uh, Dawn, you know, the hard coaching she gave you in the moment, because it's very accurate. You can either take it for the gift that it is, as painful as it is, and start to really let go of your identity, shed some of that stuff that you think is making you so successful, and start actually expanding who you are by listening and taking the feedback and by being willing to be uncomfortable and growing. So that that's, in some ways, that's the harder job. That's the harder road to take. Mm-hmm. The easier one in the short term is to say, forget that, forget them. They're all idiots. And I quit. I'm mm-hmm. going to go somewhere else. That feels easier in the moment. Yes. But what happens is then you come up against it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And eventually, if you don't take yourself on and develop, you become that person that I remember I said in my earlier in my career, I'd never want to be that hardened, defeated, mm-hmm. c- cynical, burned out, you know, warrior. I want to be a warrior, but I'd rather get there with a little more grace, you know. Which right. I think you said something that really resonated with me is that the real tough truth to really come to terms was everything that I had done up to that point and I was really successful was not going to get me to the next level and to really accept that. And I think, and I forget who had mentioned it to me. They said, look, for you, you've gotten results, like really, really good results, but now it's going to, how do you bring people along with you? And that was a real pivot for me um, in terms of how the leadership, because as you start managing managers and managers who are managing other managers, you need a different skill set. And as I started to think of my own development, um, and Heather's pretty familiar with this old cartoon from Calvin and Hobbes, but I do my work, not for me, but for you. And when I started to think about my development as a means to also develop others and other leaders so that they can also get results through others, it started to kind of paradigm shift for the, for the entire way I was thinking about my career, which changed a lot. And I think, you know, if I think of anything, there's no way I'm sitting where I am today if I didn't have that moment. And, um, and of course, you know, for anybody that goes through it, you have to embrace it and then you have to do the work because you don't change your behavior overnight. And um, it takes a long time and I'm still working on it. I step on it, you know, step in it every day. Same but, there. You know, the, the idea of, I think the big battle is just to be self-aware of how you land um, and to be able to catch yourself. That's, that's a gift that, you know, keeps giving over and over and over. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to life at, at Zarbi's Naturals. So can you tell us a little bit about the situation the company was facing before you brought in this concept of leadership coaching with your team? Sure. Yeah, so Zarbi, very small company at the time, around $10 million. Um, you know, I was leaving a big company in Philips. Uh, you know, I was running a P&L of about $5.8 billion, you know, 4,500 employees, global role, and this little Companies Arby's came across, um, but it caught my eye for a number of reasons. One, just personally, I was ready to do something else. Um, at Phillips, which was a, it's still, I mean, it's a wonderful company, but I felt that I was maintaining a business. This is a chance to really build a business. And it also, I think, presented an opportunity to kind of create a culture um, that was really about us and not individuals. Um, we do a lot of references at Zarbies from the very, very beginning with this uh, novel uh, from Dan Brown, uh, Boys in the Boat. But I just like that analogy of crew racing. You know, there's no sail, there's no motor. 
Um, you don't just have to work hard by rowing. It's an extremely difficult sport, but you have to be in sync with the person in front of you and back of you. So when I got to Zarbies, um, you know, the company had basically stalled out. I mean, brilliant idea and concept founded by Zach Zarbuck. They had a couple nice, really good products, and they had a really hardworking team. But they were at this pivot point of saying, how do you get to that next rung in the ladder, so to speak, um, based on the fact that, you know, you're dealing with, you know, retailers like CVS and Walgreens and Walmart and Target, which, you know, fortunately, I've had a lot of experience with. And the whole idea was, how do you bring in different capabilities into the business? So that was one thing you needed, um, more CPG um, type of capabilities. But I think, you know, that's on the what, on the how is really like, hey, what do we want to, what's our culture? What are our values and how do we want to work? And I think the opportunity was you had a lot of people, even as we started to hire in those early years, I got there in uh, officially in February of 14. Um, we had hired a bunch of really smart, hungry, um, talented people work. I mean, working really hard. And I think what I quickly came to recognize is that we were working really hard, but imagine a crew boat where, we're not in sync. You know, some of the orders are going at different moments. And mm-hmm. I had reached out to Heather and I just said, I think we need to build a team. Um, right. and we needed a common language and, um, and a connectivity so that people could come together. And, you know, I think despite all the hard work, we just weren't working very efficiently. And I think also when you're working that hard in such a stressful environment, it felt very fragile at the time, the business, anything that would go wrong, it felt like we were a tip over um, to really have this connectivity to say, hey, look, we're in it together. I do my work for you. You do your work for me. How do we want to build this connectivity with a team? Uh, how do we take care of one another? And to give us kind of a common toolbox that we're all leveraging at the same time, which uh, because of my experience previously with the Enneagram, I was a big fan of. Mm -hmm. And um, we started very small and said, hey, how do we, I think originally, Heather, I think we just started with the management team. Yes, that's right. Uh, We wanted to make sure that the management team (laughs) was all on the same page (sighs) and using the same toolbox. And I can tell you, even for the, some of us had had experience with the Enneagram before and some not, but that was a journey in itself because again, think about, what I just described as myself being, I guess, at 36 or 35 years old and the aha moment, like, oh my God, um, we had a few individuals on the team at the time that had never used the Enneagram. And it was like, why do I have to do this? I've never mm-hmm. had to do this. Why do And it was all those same doubts that I now could really relate with. And I think what we said was, look, we can't force you to embrace the tool, but that's what we're going to use here. So if you don't want to embrace it, that's okay, but then you probably aren't going to be here long-term only because I was very passionate about the tool in respect to self-awareness, generous listening, uh, granting trust, all these basic tools that you get with the Enneagram that I think were so critical um, to building collaborative trusting relationships so that we can build a business. What was kind of interesting about the work we did with Brad at Zarbies, because we had worked with him in other organizations, but what was interesting, unique, fun and challenging was coming in when the company's so new and so young and mm-hmm. you know that early stage entrepreneurial a little bit of a cowboy mentality like we're just here running real fast and we're going to do what works and we're nimble and we're going to pivot when we need to also engenders a bit of I'm only going to do what I'm good at and I'm only going to do what I already know is good. 
And mm. so Brett's challenge was what he said, which is, uh, guys, believe me, this is helpful. You don't need to get on board with it, but it may end up um, hindering you and us in the long term if you don't. And it, re- it really required him to take a stand for mm-hmm. the benefit and the value in addressing your own development, your own growth, because that's what helps. As you grow your people, it helps you grow your business. And that's mm-hmm. what he kept coming back to over and over again as he led that, that business. And it's one of the reasons why we wanted him to be our first guest speaker, because he really lived and led the journey that proved that point, that proved it out with that company. So, Brett, you started with the senior management team, you said. So what yes. was what was the initial impacts that you observed as they were going through their coaching processes? Yeah, I will. First, I put my management team, and Heather, I think, will smile about this. I put them into three groups. Um, there was the group that said, I love this and want to learn. That's a couple people. Then we had the group that said, this is like uh, weird science and I'm not doing this at all. <laughs> and, then, um, and then we had the group that said, this feels weird and stuff, but I'm going to try. Yeah. Okay. And I can think of, and I'm sure Heather immediately could see the individuals in each one of the groups. <laughs> and, you know, there's a wonderful tenant, this idea of granting trust. And what I told the team is I said, look, I can tell you about my own personal journey, which I, I did. And I said, you just got to trust me, this works. And I think, um, but you got to give it a chance. Like you have to go in very open-minded. And um, we were fortunate, you know, two thirds of the group was open-minded and, and I think did the journey. And then we had a part of the group that, that didn't. And that was okay. And again, it's not right or wrong, but for what we wanted to build, and I knew the manager team needed to really come together so that we could lead because it's really difficult to, I mean, you get to performance reviews and all the types of stuff and we talk about the what and the how. What do you deliver? But how do you get it done, your behavior? If you don't buy into, it's not just about the results. Because there's many people that just like, if you get the results, who cares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we were equally balancing how you got the results as a critical component. And we did have one uh, individual leave, mm-hmm. um, which was okay. Um, it just, I think he just decided this wasn't for him. He took it as far as he could go and he didn't want to go there. And it is scary. I mean, you have to be very vulnerable (laughs) when you do this work. Um, And you have to really open up your kimono and say, this is stuff I'm not good at, um, which is difficult. Um, We had another individual who I think had more similar to me, although much smarter than me, but um, had so much success in his career. And now is being told you're alienating everybody along the way, but kudos to him. He totally bought in and did really, really hard work. And I don't think people would even recognize him today uh, versus, uh, you know, four or five years ago. And then we had a couple of people on the team also that had exposure to the Enneagram in the past. I think they thought they arrived. (laughs) And I think that's really an interesting thing because you never arrive. And I think they felt like, oh, I know the Enneagram. I know how this works. I know how this goes. I know the language. But development isn't, you know, there's no end. You know, you just hopefully just continue to hone that skill. So, you know, I think over the course of a year, I think we got really, we really came together as a group. Um, And you could see that our conversations are better. Because you can imagine in a small team uh, of a startup, there's just, uh, there's a lot of stress. There's big moments. Um, It gets tense. And, you know, you could see the head of strategy 
with the head of sales, an eight and a five. I mean, talk about a combination. Um, at one point, I thought they were going to come to blows across the table. It was that contentious. And yet have learned now, you know, over the course of the work we did together, like, hey, how do I really listen? Because you're, you know, stop. You're annoying me. You're a five. You're really annoying me with what you're all these questions. But how do I really listen and stay in the moment to say, I know he has good intent. He's just asking for questions and let me calm down my eight and stay in the moment and then respond uh, and generous listen. So I think, you know, we really came together. And I think if you talk to the rest of the team, they really saw the management team come together as a working unit, very, very cohesive. And then once we had gotten that to a good spot, we decided that we needed now to push the Enneagram down into the lower levels of the organization. Uh, we then went to the directors. And then I think, Heather, correct me if I'm wrong, but anybody that joins Arby's um, yeah. would get typed, get introduced yeah. to the Enneagram. So as a company, everybody had this common language of what is generous listening? What does it mean to grant trust? What does it mean to have a courageous conversation? What does my type do? And how do I be self-aware when I'm falling down through the levels? And oh, by the way, what are my colleagues' types so I know when they're falling down the levels, not so that I can judge them, but so I can help them rise back up. And it became a very um, collaborative team in terms of we're all doing our work. And I think there's this overall recognition that it's okay if you're not perfect because no one yes. is. We all have it. We all go up and down the levels. And just that sense of empathy yeah. um, that we're all going through stuff and we might have a bad day. I think that was just a calming force, even as we were riding through all kinds of business challenges and allowed us to kind of stay the course and ultimately build an incredible business and incredible brand that uh, uh, we were very fortunate that J&J &J, uh, coveted and uh, ended up acquiring. Yeah. So that, well, you've answered my next question for me, which was what, what were the uh, business benefits that Zarbys realized? Is it yeah, I think, you know, overall, you know, um, we never would have gotten to the highs that we achieved with Zarbys without the Enneagram work and the work that Heather and Mary Beth um, and Wendy brought to the team because, you know, there's so many decisions that are made on that journey um, and you have to live with those decisions. And my sense is we made much better decisions in the moment because of the work and the tools we had in our toolbox. I'm not saying we wouldn't have been a success at all. I'm just saying our success came with a lot less pain, um, I think we made better decisions. They're much more collaborative. And if you can think about it, you know, put a bunch of different functions around a table. Everybody, these are super smart people that all have lots of opinions. Um, being able to lean in and really respect others' opinions and listen and end up with the best answer for the business and for the team um, happened way more often because of the tools we had. So I think there's a direct business benefit. And I think that's one of the things Heather and I always talked about because we had a number of sessions. We actually, I think we had two, two or three, maybe more um, sessions where we actually closed down the company for three mm -hmm. to bring everyone together to do these workshops. And what I always loved what we did uh, with Trilogy is that it was, we don't do the Enneagram and all this work we're not psychiatrists. We're not therapists. That's not our work. Our work is to help you on your personal development because that will have a business benefit. Mm -hmm. So it's always through the lens of what's the impact on the business. Um, we had two sessions or so in Salt Lake uh, with the whole company and a couple sessions um, in Greenwich because we had two different offices. And everyone loved those sessions. Uh, we could have probably gone many, many more days. 
But um, in those sessions, what we ended up doing is how now you've got these tools in our toolbox. Now let's go tackle real business issues. Yeah. And so let's put innovation in the same room as marketing and let's put the big, you know, ugly topic on the table that we can't get alignment on and let's use our Enneagram to solve that. And those are the types of sessions that we, I think, really benefited us because we were able to solve critical business questions that allowed us to move forward. So there's no doubt that um, the Enneagram helped us achieve great business results. And what's interesting, you know, most of that team now has moved on, um, but the amount of letters I got um, for for thanking me for just being introduced to Heather and the team Mm -hmm. and for all the work they've done um, is amazing. And I think they all, in their own way, continue to practice with it. Um, some probably still reach out to Heather and the team, I assume, but even beyond that, I think there's just, uh, uh being more self-aware is, is part of your own personal journey. And I think, um, everyone's better off for having been exposed to it. And, um, I'm really proud. They're all doing other bigger and better jobs, which also is really gratifying for me. Uh, cause that's kind of part of it. And we always said at Zarbys, there were three things we always hoped that would happen. Um, one, have some fun Two, um, you know, hopefully make some money. And, you know, if you're having great business results, everyone should join in on that. And then third, um, and probably most importantly, that you are, have, you are more developed professionally and personally as a result of your experience at Zarbies so that whenever you wanted to leave Zarbies or not, that you were better for it, that you could go basically do a bigger job if you wanted or do whatever you wanted because you learned so much during your tenure. And um, I think to a person, everyone would check three boxes on that. Yeah, if I can just add and underscore, to do that work takes the kind of humility that you talked about, Brett, um, earlier on in your career when you encountered the feedback that you got. So to, to take yourself on as an ongoing journey of development and project of development takes some courage. And it also requires a fair amount of compassion. And so to create a culture that had that and yet was still hard charging, hard driving, we've got some serious business results that we want. It was almost a paradoxical situation and yet it worked. Yeah. So you said earlier that you're still doing your own work. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, we talked a little bit before we began recording today about, uh, you know, leading a team in the time of COVID from virtual offices and, and uh, distributed um, workforces. Do you find that the, the Enneagram work that you've done is helping you as a leader through these trying times? Yeah, I would say yes. I would say that, um, you know, as we mentioned, I think the biggest, I think what we're all dying for is connection. And um, I think that was the beauty of the work we did at Zarbies was that we had this, like our own special language that connected us all. You know, if everybody's practicing generous listening, if everybody's practicing uh, granting trust, if everybody's practicing empathy, if everybody's, you know, doing these things, that's not something you just get when you're out in the wilderness, you know? <laughs> so I think that, and what's difficult today and the team I'm leading today at Canada is we haven't been able to actually do a lot of this work, first of all, because we just started and then we've been in lockdown. So I think what people are really missing is the connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so one of the things that uh, we've been working on is just lot, you know, consistent town halls at least once a month. Um, Heather knows I'm a, I like to write, so I try to put out a monthly letter. And, you know, I think it's 
the letters are much more about being empathetic to everyone's situation, being vulnerable, and let's just put it on the table, all the stuff that we're dealing with. I mean, if it's COVID, that's a huge topic. If it's Black Lives Matter, that's a huge topic. And these are things that people are really wrestling with that are creating stress and ambiguity, and people don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and, and a lot of worry. And I think one of the things that why well, I can't fix everyone's problems as a leader, what we can do is we can have conversations about it and we can mm-hmm. acknowledge it. And I think we could try to put our play ourselves in other people's situations. I mean, if you're a working mom right now and your husband works too, you don't know if your kids are going back to school. Um, you're worried if they are going back to school because they have to wear masks and how do I get my work done? And these are real issues. So I'm leveraging a lot of what I learned with the Enneagram today but frankly, um, we need to figure out how do I embed that overall tool into my organization at the right at the appropriate time because today, um, too few of us are really familiar with it. Mm-hmm. I think overall, it's um, you know if you don't have the tool, the lack of self awareness as you start you behave you might be behaving badly and not even recognizing it. Yes. You know, or how are you showing up with others? And I think the gift the Enneagram does is like, hey, I know I'm not behaving well. The good news is I'm working with a lot of the team that I've worked with before and they do have the tools. So at least we're able to call each other out on each other's shit. Um, <laughs> and I will tell you that we're having to do that more often now because okay. we're all super yeah. stressed. Absolutely. But that has been a nice thing to have. Um, it's been a connecting tissue for us. Um, but beyond, it's a little bit more difficult. So we've been trying to offset that with is just more communication, um, listening more, and uh, trying to support our organization the best they possibly can. Because I think everyone on, everyone's going through things, you know, we only see what's visible in our world, but a lot of people have personal challenges right now. We've had people with COVID, um, people have sick parents. I mean, there's other things that are going on in people's lives that we tend to um, not be aware of. And we need to start asking those questions and, and seeing how we can support one another. Um, Cause I have a sense that this is going to last quite a while. Yeah, I do too. At the end of the day, uh, I think people are well-intended in general. And I think we all kind of want the same thing. Um, so my positive thing is that I feel, you know, if I think about um, my current team, everyone, is here because they want to be here. You know, it is free will employment. And if you really want to be here and some of the messages that we're sharing with the team in terms of, Hey, this is where we want to go and we can't get there without you. I think that's a positive message. And I do think, you know, while there's a lot of restrictions right now in terms of being able to come together as a team, I, we should, I think there's a lot of opportunities here to learn. Um, as I mentioned before we even got on the call, I mean, you know, I was always got to be in the office guy, got to be in the office, yeah. got to the office. And I will be honest, this has said to me, you know what, this, while this isn't ideal either, because we went from one side on the office to now we're all at home. There's a, there's a real, I think, solution in the middle, which says, especially for working parents is, you know what, you can get a lot of work done and be effective working from home more often. So my sense is the positive is I think we're learning a lot uh, through this. Um, it's a gift that I think as we apply these lessons, when things do open up and hopefully yes. there is a vaccine, that we'll be able to apply these learnings and be a more generous work, uh, empl- generous employee in terms of work-life balance, um, uh, flexible type of work arrangements so that people can find what works best for them while still contributing greatly. At the end of the day, we are a performance-based organization. I'd never say it otherwise. I mean, that's, we're in private equity. That's what we do. 
Um, that said, if employees love who they work for and they feel they're really, really supported, my sense and my experience has always been that they'll give you more than what you're asking for anyway. Brett, thanks so much for coming on the show. And Heather, thanks for joining us today. And we also want to thank all of you, our listeners out there. Please see the show notes for links to some of the news and resources that we discussed today on the show. And please subscribe to the show and tell your friends about us and review us wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's on iTunes or iHeartRadio. Recently, we've joined the, the new Amazon podcast platform. If that's where you're finding us, please leave a review about our show. It really will help other people find us. So with no further ado, I'd like to wish you all a great day. Thank you for joining us today. This is the Being Human is Good for Business podcast.